Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast in the Greenville area of South Carolina. I am your host, Stan McCune, realtor here in the Greenville area of South Carolina. As always, you can find all of my contact information in the show notes. If you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs, I represent buyers, I represent sellers, I represent investors, I represent non-investors, the whole enchilada. I can handle anything, uh, all any of your real estate needs. Even if you're looking for commercial properties, I can refer you to the right person for that because that's definitely not my specialty, but I know people. I have tons of connections, so just let me know. My contact information is in the show notes. Um, and as well, as I always ask you guys, please make sure that you subscribe to this show in whatever podcast app you use. And if we can get, we need some more ratings. We need to, I, I mean, the number of listens I'm getting per month do not compare to the low number of ratings. So please just take a second to hit the five-star rating button on whatever app you're using. And please also, if you can, just leave a short little review to get the word out to as many people as possible that this is an awesome show, that you're benefiting from it, and that you appreciate it. All right, today uh, we're going to talk just briefly, I think, uh, about investors, real estate investors and their impact on the real estate market. And, and you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about real estate investors that are out there. Um, I hear the full spectrum. I hear people that um, are actually just angry at institutional investors, believe that institutional investors are primarily, and when I say institutional investors, I mean uh, mega uh, companies that invest in real estate that, you know, are maybe based out of San Francisco or something like that. A lot I hear a lot of people that are just angry that just think these institutional investors are uh, are destroying the country, specifically in Greenville, taking homes away from uh, first-time home buyers, et cetera, et cetera. And then you you hear on the other end of the spectrum, you hear people that are just like, uh, investors don't really have that big of an impact on the market. It's normal and healthy for investors to to be doing the level of activity that they're doing. And then there's a ton of sentiment in between. Now, I'm not going to get into the uh, invest, is the investor good or is the investor bad or are there certain ones that are good or certain ones that are bad conversation. I'm not going to go down that road. Um, but instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at some data that CoreLogic uh, released earlier this month in uh, July 2022. They released some data on investors and what impact they are having in the market. And I have kind of five takeaways from this. And by the way, this isn't Greenville specific. This is US nationwide. <clears throat> there are some conclusions that we can draw from this data. And I have specifically um, five conclusions that I want to share with you guys. Um, and I plan to link to the actual article um, in the show notes as well. So that's something if you want to look at it, um, you can feel free to look at it, look at the graphs. Uh, agree or disagree with my conclusions, whatever you uh, whatever you plan to to do there. Um, so for starters, here's here's my first conclusion from the data that that CoreLogic released, and and the name of their article is "Single Family Investor Activity Bounces Back in First Quarter of 2022." So you know, as with a lot of data, sometimes we have to look, you know, so, sometimes the data that gets released is lagging behind by a few months. And so this is an example, uh, an example of that. And in real estate terms, we're usually able to get 
local Greenville related data um, for the prior month, you know, usually about midway through the month. And that's pretty common for other markets. When you're looking at nationwide data, oftentimes it's several months behind. So that's the case here. We're looking primarily at the first quarter, what happened in the first quarter of this year, January through March, um, and drawing conclusions from that. My first conclusion that I've drawn from the data that CoreLogic produced is that um, investor purchases took off in the first quarter of 2021. So if we go back to the first quarter of last year, that's when we started to see investor purchases, you know, they had been kind of constant for a little while, basically at the same level, just fluctuating a little bit, but basically keeping constant for several years. And then we saw something happen in the first quarter of 2021. They really, the the percentage of transactions that were investor-related transactions in the U.S. just started going up. Um, and even though it looked like it may go down to start this year, so um, it got up to about 27% uh, of all purchases were investor purchases, about 27% uh, towards the uh, middle to end of 2021. Then we saw it just plummet in uh in towards the end of the year towards the end of, of 2021 it went down to 22 percent well this looks like simply uh it it would be normal for those numbers to go down back to what they used to be which was typically hovering between 14 and 18 percent went down to 22 percent and it was like okay maybe it'll it'll start to recess back to uh to that norm of being between 14 18 percent but no Actually, it bounced back in a, a very seasonally unpredictable way. When we got into the first quarter of this year, it actually uh, peaked even higher than it did all of last year. It got up to uh, 28% um, in, I, I believe it was the month of March, and then it kind of settled at 20, basically right there in, in uh, sorry, in February, and then it basically settled there in March at 27 0.9%. So very high numbers. What does this mean? Um, we're not sure yet. There are two possibilities, right? Um, these, the graph looks very seasonal. It looks like what we typically see for non-investor purchases. So for non-investor purchases, we typically see everything really slow down and not come to a halt, but we see purchases um, just in general, closings in general, new contracts in general, new listings in general, slow down as we get towards the end of the year, and then ramp back up and start going up at the after the new year. Well, if that's what's happening here, then we might see we might have a new normal with investor purchases. We may have a new normal of investor purchases now being in the mid to high twenty percent rather than the mid to high teens. Um, if if they are following the seasonal trend that we normally see. There's also the possibility, because we're looking at quarter one um, and we don't yet have the numbers for quarter two, it's also possible that there was kind of a mad dash that happened in quarter one as people saw interest rates going up. Perhaps these investor purchases will at some point recede. But the point is um, that we've, we've seen investor purchases since the first quarter of 2021 much higher than normal, and they are still much higher than normal. And there's a possibility that this is a long-term trend, um, and it'll be very interesting to see how that continues through through the end of the year. 
I tend to think, um, personally, I think it is kind of a new normal. Just based on my communications with people, my boots on the ground, uh, there's a lot of people looking to invest for the first time. Um, and a lot of the uh, investors that have been investing for a long time, they're wanting to invest more and more. So I, I tend to think that this is kind of, uh, that the theory that this is the new norm, I think may very well be accurate, um, but we'll have to continue to, to track this throughout the rest of the year. Uh, my second conclusion from, uh, from the data in this CoreLogic study um, is that increases in investor purchases are the primary reason the market currently is still hotter than pre-pandemic. Non-investor purchases are at similar levels to 2019. So this is really important. Owner-occupied purchases um, nationwide, according to the nationwide data, are actually very similar to the pre-pandemic norms. But investor purchases are at levels that are nearly triple what they were in 2019. So we're seeing owner-occupants purchasing properties at basically pre-pandemic levels of what they were what they were doing. Looks very similar, slightly up from pre-pandemic, um, but basically owner-occupants are buying properties at similar levels to back then, but investors are purchasing three times the properties that they normally uh, that they normally would, at least based on the first quarter. Um, so if we look at kind of where the market has been so far this year as rates have uh, have gone up and all of that, really we're starting to see inventory levels, as, as we discussed in last week's episode, start to balance out a little bit. Um, but what this tells me, because we're, we're seeing, we still see that the market is hotter than what it was uh, before the pandemic. But the fact that it's, it's at pre-pandemic levels, basically, of owner-occupied purchases. That hotness is directly correlated with investor purchases. So, again, um, it's going to be very important for us to track these investor purchases because it seems like that is fueling a lot of the hot market that we still have to this day. And if investor purchases start to cool down, we can probably expect to see the market as a whole cool down a little bit more because it seems like that there is a direct correlation between what investors are doing uh, and what is happening in this market. Third conclusion that uh, that I come to here from this data is that institutional investors are a minority in real in the real estate investing world, but they're growing. This is one of the things that I think is important to understand. A lot of people think that these institutional investors, these huge firms that are just buying up real estate, that they are the primary ones fueling, uh, basically the primary ones behind real estate investing as a whole. And that's that's really not accurate. Um, the data is broken down right in this article, and, and it explains it really well. So I'm just going to go ahead and read exactly what it says. So small investors, those who own fewer than 10 properties, were responsible for half nearly half, 48% of all investor purchases during the first quarter of the year. Medium investors, those with 11 to 100 properties, purchased 31% of investor properties. All right, so 79% of, of investor property purchases were made by small and medium-sized investors, not the institutional type of, of investors that a lot of people think are the main ones responsible. 
Large investors, those with 101 to 1,000 properties, accounted for 9% of home purchases, and mega investors, those with over 1,000 properties, represented 12% of all purchases. So um, you can see that it's, it's primarily small and medium investors that are making the majority of the purchases in this market, but those mega investors, those that own 1,000 or more properties, they have seen a massive uptick during this time that we've seen this investor uh, uptick since basically early 2021, we have seen a dramatic uptake in the mega investors uh, segment getting involved. So it used to be that the that the large investor, as it was defined before, and the mega investor basically uh, basically had comparable levels of spending, usually in, in or I should say a comparable market share when we're looking at investor purchase properties, usually they were both around like eight to 9%, something like that. And there really wasn't much of a difference. But since early 2021, the mega investor has gone way up in spending and the, the large investor has ticked up a little bit as well. So that now we're seeing way more of this institutional type of investing, even though it's still a smaller percentage of the overall pie, it is a growing percentage of the pie. So institutional investors are definitely driving uh, some of the hotness that we're seeing in this market. There is no way around that. They are definitely having an impact because uh, as their numbers have gone up, uh, basically the entire market's numbers have gone up. Uh, my fourth conclusion from this data, and this is really a conclusion that CoreLogic came, came to, um, so maybe it's not really my conclusion. Maybe it's more just um, me just kind of agreeing with the data and saying, okay, yeah, this is a big takeaway for me. Investors are focusing more on rentals than on, uh, than on flips. They broke down the data of the share of investor purchases resold within six months from January 2019 through September of 2021. And the percentage, so it used to, to hover between like 15 and 18% of investment properties that were purchased were sold within six months. So a 15 to 18% flip rate. Um, that number w has been at least, you know, again, this data lags a little bit because it's only through September of 2021. Uh, but basically, the majority of 2021, it was below 15%. And that's a historically uh, very low rate. So it seems like at least for 2021, we'll have to see you know, as more data for 2022 comes out, but a lot of investors are just looking to park cash in a rental. They're not looking to to flip properties at the rate that they used to. Very interesting dynamic. That's something also that I have have personally seen with my investor clients, uh, and I and I think inflation concerns have a lot to do to do with this. People, you know, I, I heard people last year, early last year, saying that they were concerned about inflation and what that would do to the market. Um, and sure enough, their concerns became true this year. And, uh, and so a lot of those people were, were looking to, to park money in rental properties. And so this is the kind of thing that we see. It was, uh, it's not, it's not surprising. It's not surprising that people are moving in that direction and have been since last year. Um, my fifth takeaway from this, investors are primarily targeting the Southeast and the Southwest. Now, I need to clarify that Greenville traditionally doesn't show up on these types of, of metrics. 
Um, basically, this study was looking at uh, MSAs, which I believe stands for Metropolitan Statistical Areas. Usually, Greenville is not big enough to kind of make some of these metrics. So we have to to kind of read between the lines here. But here are the areas, the top 10 investor shares by uh, Metropolitan Statistical Areas in quarter one of 2022. It was Atlanta, the Atlanta area, the San Jose area, the Los Angeles area, Memphis, Las Vegas, Phoenix, San Antonio, El Paso, Dallas, Fort Worth, Charlotte, and San Diego. So heavy shares of the Southeast and of the Southwest in here. And the number one market with the highest percentage of investor shares was the Atlanta market, one of Greenville's neighboring markets. It was uh, over 40%, over 40% of purchases in Atlanta uh, for the first quarter of this year were by investors. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. Um, Charlotte was just a hair below 35%. Another one of our kind of cousin markets. And uh, yeah, the out of these top 10, really the lowest uh, was, was San Diego, which was at about 34%. So that's a huge, those are huge numbers, right? Huge numbers over a third of purchases in several of these markets, including the two biggest markets that neighbor Greenville were uh, investor purchases were over a third of the closings. That's insane. That tells me Greenville is probably pretty comparable to both Charlotte and Atlanta in this regard. So we're probably seeing about a third of purchases, if not more, being made by investors. So investors, again, are definitely having a huge impact in our area, in the Greenville area, still heavily targeted. Um, they're, they're preferring that this study, CoreLogic kind of says that warm areas, they're kind of, they kind of come to the conclusion that warm areas are kind of what investors are targeting. Um, and I think it's, you know, obviously some of these markets are pretty big markets like Los Angeles and, and San Diego, but it seems like they're, they're targeting trendy areas, areas that are up and coming, uh, I think people still consider Atlanta and Charlotte to be up and coming because the Southeast economy is growing uh, at at a at a rate that I think much of the rest of the U.S. is not growing at, and so I think that that's a lot of what we're seeing here. So, investors are definitely impacting the market nationwide, but specifically here in the Southeast, and we need to keep watching what's going on there because it seems like there is a direct connection between the market staying hot and what uh, investors are doing. So we'll continue to monitor this as the year goes on. It's going to be uh, very interesting to see exactly what happens, what investors do as interest rates keep going up. Will they be impacted by that or are they just paying cash anyway so it doesn't matter? There's a lot of things to consider. But that is all for today's episode of Selling Greenville, for this week's episode of Selling Greenville. I appreciate you guys listening. I apologize for a little bit of an echo in this week's episode from the standpoint of the sound. I'm rearranging some things in my office. I need to kind of figure out exactly how to uh, minimize that echo. So bear with me as I try to work on that. If you don't mind, please leave a five-star rating. Please leave a short little review. Please subscribe to the show in whatever podcast app you use. My contact information is in the show notes if you need to reach me for any reason, and I'll see you guys next time.